earlier, we read from Matthew's gospel, the account of the Palm Sunday event. Luke, in his account, says that when the crowd saw him, they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then there's this odd verse that's thrown in. And some of the Pharisees and the multitude said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. I would just like to say, I think you would probably agree with me this morning, that the stones were kept silent during that praise and worship time. Wasn't that an incredible time of worship? Thank you to each of you who did so much work to make this day what it is in our worship time. Just beautiful. Well, as I said um, on our church video on Friday to give you the, a little teaser of the sermon, that at the beginning of the year, as I was kind of planning out things, I kind of looked at what I would preach about this season and specifically today and next Sunday. And earlier in the week, uh, I had this, this really great message. It's based on the family that owned that donkey and colt and uh, kind of a little fictional story, if you will, about them, you know, even getting up for breakfast and being excited about the day and this little boy who just loves his donkey. I even named the donkey and, um, and tell the whole story. And then all of a sudden these men show up. We, we don't know if they knew these men. We don't know anything about this family other than they show up to take this donkey and colt away. And if they ask, just say, the Lord needs it. And that was going to be the title of my sermon, the Lord needs it. And, and then I was going to portray it all the way up to the point that on the Palm Sunday, the little boy felt like that the uh, parade was for his donkey. Uh, but then, you know, the father's able to set him down and tell him all about Jesus then. And earlier in the week, the Lord kept saying, that's good. That's cute. You know, I, I kind of even felt the Lord saying, that's cute. You know, <laughs> Thanks, Lord. That's not what you're going to preach, but that's cute. And, uh, and so through the week. And while this is Palm Sunday and it's a day of celebration and, and praise, and, and we've done that, and I, I'm so thankful for that, I really truly have been led more to what the events of this week entail. And so this message is more about Good Friday. And I, I've entitled it On the Way to the Garden. And so let's look together, if you will, turn in your... Uh, scriptures to Luke chapter 22. And I want to start at verse 39. Luke 22, starting at verse number 39. We're going on a destination today. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I, I think it's uh, specifically just an awesome thing that Luke, being a physician, is the one who cares about the Lord sweating drops of blood. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. 
Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I would ask you this morning, what's one of your favorite places that you would choose to be? You know, if, if of all the places you could go and be on the earth, uh, where would you want to go? Maybe you've already been there and you enjoyed it so much, you, you loved that location, so you want to be back there. Maybe you've never been, and so it's a dream of yours to go to that place. And just anytime you're asked, you know, of all your dream places, where would it be? That's your first quick answer, where that would be, that destination. Well, there's a place that I would like to go. There's a place really I'm desperate to get to. I've been there before. Um, maybe some of you've been there before. And it's my own fault that I'm not there all the time, but I want to get there again. And I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get back to that destination. And it's found in verse 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. A spiritual destination a place that all of us have maybe been to. Maybe you're there now, praise the Lord, but all of us long to be there. We're desperate to be in that place where the Lord was, where we can truly relinquish all of our own desires, all of our will, and simply ask, Lord, your will be done in my life. It's not about me. It is all about you. And it's an incredible place that we all need to be. And I want us to look at how did the Lord get there? If you study the events from this day till that night, this is a week like no other weeks for the Lord. We've talked about this in a different sermon. This week is the week that the Lord will go into the temple and, and overturn the tables and make that whip. And we remember that message. Uh, this will be a week where he will be confronted. It's a week uh, by those spiritual leaders. It's a week where he will tell his disciples to go and prepare for the Passover meal. And, and they will go and they will prepare. And he'll have that room and, and they will share in that meal together. And he'll give them a whole new view of what the bread and the cup actually mean. And they'll never look at it the same way. And then, of course, later that evening, the betrayal, the arrest, the mock trial, the beating and the scorning, and, of course, then his crucifixion. So this is a week, a week that we need to be in tune. We need to be at that spiritual destination where we've been maybe at different times in our lives, but we need desperately to be there. And this is the week to be there. How does the Lord, knowing all of these events that will take place, how does he get to this place? How does he get to that place in that prayer where he can simply relinquish and say, Father, your will be done in my life. How do we get there? Well, the only way we can get there is the same way that Jesus got there, and that's through prayer. 
And so I want to talk about that prayer that he made that night and things that we deal with in our prayer that the Lord even dealt with that night as well, but how he was able to get through those to get to that destination that you and I so desperately need to get to. So if you will, let's look at that. We've got an outline on the screen. It'll also be in your worship folder as well. It's going to be a battle. It's not going to be an easy journey. It's going to be a tough, tough road, but how can we arrive at this place, this spiritual destination. Well, on the way to the garden, if we're going to make it to the garden, the very first thing we have to do is overcome the crowded thoughts of the mind. You know, the mind is incredible. You know, Paul spoke in prayer about the body and, and how the body is just an incredibly awesome thing that the Lord has created and made. I've met many uh, that doctors who said, I never believed in God until I was in medical school and started working on an actual body. And then I said, there's no other explanation. You cannot explain this any other way. There has to be a God. And so, the, but th- that's the body. But think about the mind. And it's so odd. Maybe you've had this too. Some of the smartest people that I've ever met, people that I would consider at that genius level will tell you, and I've heard this statistic and I don't know who came, that we only use about 25% of our brain's capacity. And one man in particular that I knew, I, I think he's probably the smartest man I've ever known. And he said, um, and I would think that's probably even less. And I thought, not for you, you know, you, you're a genius. And he said, no, I, I don't even think that I'm even scratching the surface of what we are capable of in our mind's capacity. And so I, I would agree with that. Uh, you remember when, you know, the, there was the old commercial, uh, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And then there was a comedian that never could remember anything. And he said, the mind is a terrible thing. Sometimes it is, isn't it? And sometimes the mind is our worst enemy, isn't it? And so uh, Jesus that night had to overcome the crowded thoughts in his mind. And we have to do the same thing. And now let me break down a couple of areas that I think crowd our minds the worst, okay? One would be our memory. Now I'm not talking about like when kids pray, um, I, I, use, I, I love praying with kids because, number one, they will pray for anything and everything. Thank you for the grass and the flowers, you know, and you're just on and on. And we lose that somewhere down the road, and that's not maybe the best thing. But they also, after they pray, say, oh, wait, I forgot to pray for. Do you ever do that? That's not the kind of memory I'm talking about now. I'm not talking about forgetting things. I'm talking about remembering things. Have you ever gotten into your prayer time and then you start remembering those things you've done? And you begin to think, who am I that can come to the Lord and pray and share my burdens and my needs with this great and awesome God? Just look at all these things I've done in my life. And we begin to beat ourselves up and we begin to think there's no such thing as forgiveness for us because look at what I've done. And so we are reminded in our prayers of all these horrible, horrible things that we've done in our lives. But we're also reminded of things we need to do. Isn't it odd how the enemy 
knows exactly how and when to attack us in our prayer time to start saying, look at all these things you've done. Look at this, look at this, and just starts making this list out. And we're remembering these things. So that's distracting us from our prayer time. And then now look at all these things that you need to do. And I look at that as both spiritually and in the the physical material realm, thinking, oh, spiritually, I I should be doing this more. I should be reading my Bible more. I should be praying more. I should be serving others more. And you're thinking all these things and they become overwhelming to you. And you think, why am I even praying? I lost my thought. I can't even pray now. Or you're thinking material things. Oh, I need to get this done. And I've got, you know, this job to get done. and, And there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And so, we're totally distracted from our prayer time because we're fighting this battle in our own minds and we can't pray. Think about the Lord. Yes, he is 100% fully man and yet he's 100% fully God. He knows the events of tomorrow. In that prayer, he knows what is to come in the next few hours. Think he might be distracted a little bit, fighting a battle in his own mind of prayer. And so the Lord has to overcome that crowdedness. He has to, those crowding thoughts that come into our mind, those thoughts that the enemy places there, just enough so that we're battling against him and our minds instead of focusing on our prayer time. I believe that's what the Lord was dealing with. I believe that's what we deal with in our prayer time. And we've got to overcome those crowded thoughts of the mind before we can ever, ever move into the garden. So memory is one. Another, in the crowded thoughts of the mind, another battle that we fight is our own imagination. Our own imagination. You know, as we pray, images come to mind. And now sometimes those are good, positive great images. We begin to think about our families. Uh, We begin to think about our church. We begin to think about friends and things like that. And so those are great things. Those are all things that God created and has given us. And so those aren't bad things at all, but they're things that take us away from focusing on the Lord in our prayer time. And so our own imagination begins to run wild. And so we begin to think about those things instead of what we're praying about. I even would say that probably the Lord in his prayer time began to think about his mother. We know that uh, his father's already passed, his earthly father, stepfather Joseph has has already passed, but Mary was still there. She'd been traveling with him in his ministry and, and was around on different occasions, and especially now in Jerusalem, she would have been there. Do you think that there was a point in his prayer that he began to think, to think yeah, I know what's gonna happen to me, I know what's coming, what about my mom? How is she going to handle this? What's she going to think? How will she make it through? Certainly. And it wasn't a bad thing that he was thinking about his mother or any of his friends. Or, you know, obviously, he was thinking about his disciples because he kept going back and telling them, wake up. He was fighting a battle in his own mind, and we fight a battle in our minds as well when we come to prayer. But sometimes it's not good things that our imagination brings up. Sometimes it's alien foreign thoughts that come into our minds that keep us from really being in our prayer time. I'll give you two words that I think are two of the toughest words in the world to deal with. What if... 
what if? Uh, Shel Silverstein is a children's poet, and in his book, Where the Sidewalk Never Ends, um, he actually has a poem called The Wattus. You know, and I can't remember the whole thing, but I, I remember like the first line was, I woke up and everything was going good, and then the wattus crept in. You know, what if I stub my toe? What if I fall down at recess? What if lunch, you know, they serve meatloaf or whatever? What if my friends don't like me? What if, and he goes through all the what-ifs. Do you ever have what-ifs? I actually preached a sermon on the what-ifs, um, and, and I changed it to change your what-ifs into why-nots, you know? Well, what if, well, why not? God can do this. God can do it. Why not? But even in our prayer time, we fight the battle of the what-ifs. But Lord, what if, what if, what if? And so we begin to have these foreign thoughts. My wife calls it inviting evil. Don't invite evil. Don't say, but what if this happens? What if this happens? Don't invite that. It has no place in our prayer life. But the enemy's great at attacking us with the what-ifs, with the imagination, with those alien foreign thoughts about what we deal with or what we fear in life of what might happen. And so then we're totally now fighting a battle and we're not able to really focus on our prayer times. I will say this. I, I think that we need to be very, very careful in the times that we're not praying because I believe what we do when we're not praying affects what we do when we're praying. I heard a great quote one time. Let me share it with you. The habit, the habit of the mind outside of prayer will become the battle of the mind within prayer. The habit of the mind outside of prayer will become the battle of the mind within prayer. We have to overcome the crowded thoughts of the mind, our memory, our imagination, our battles that we will fight, that we must overcome if we're going to make it to the garden. Well, the second, if we're going to any destination, we've got to stay on the path, right? Stay on the path. Years ago, um, my father loved this place more than probably any other place on the face of the earth. Many of you may have been there. Um, it's just outside of Moorhead, Kentucky area, and it, it's called Natural Bridge. There's a natural limestone bridge, and you have to hike up Dean Poor, you know where it is, and how many times have you climbed that hill to get up? <laughs> so every year, every summer, we would go, and, and it's a pretty, pretty good hike. There is a chairlift you can take, but we never, we always took the hike, and uh, you would hike all the way. Uh, I don't know, a couple of miles, and it's, it's, it's a good hike. And then you could cross over this limestone bridge, and you can see everywhere when, you, when you're up there. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place and location. Well, my dad and my brother and I wanted to go one evening, and so we were going to go up to the bridge, and my dad had this beautiful idea. Now, as much as I love my dad, this was not one of his best thoughts, okay? So he said, let's go. He said, wouldn't it be just gorgeous to watch the sunset up there. Oh, yeah. Well, then we got up there, and it was gorgeous. One of the most beautiful sunsets I've probably ever seen in my life. 
Now realize you have to get down. No lights whatsoever. We weren't smart enough to bring flashlights. I mean, and no such thing as cell phones then where we would have had a light with that. It was black. And we're going down a very steep mountain in the woods, rough, rough uh, path. So my dad said this, and, and I love this because I truly believe this is one of the greatest examples of the Holy Spirit that you, you can hear. So my dad said, you're young, Sonny. My dad called me Sonny. Sonny, you're young. Put your hands in my belt. And then Tim, you get behind him, and you put your hands in his belt. Wherever I step, you step. Tim, you step wherever he steps. And it took a half-hour trip, about two hours, to get down that mountain. And when we got down, he was trying to hide it, but Dad was a little bit in tears. I said, Dad, did that shake you up? Is that, are you okay? And he said, no, no, I'm fine. And I said, well, that was a great idea. You know, me putting my hand and stepping where you stepped. And he said, well, I had my hands in the belt of someone too. You see, you got to stay on the path. And we've got a great shepherd who leads us down the right path. And if we're going to make it to the garden, we've got to stay on the path. We can't veer off trying to think, well, this looks better, or that's a better route. This maybe is a little easier. Stay on the path. And, and when we do that, there's a couple of things that can get in our way. First, there's always hindrances, isn't there? Always, always a hindrance. One of my buddies, Steve Fitzhugh, he was a former uh, professional football player, and now he's in the chaplaincy ministry of uh, the NFL. Great guy, huge muscle on muscle on muscle black guy. Uh, one time he got off an airplane, and, and I kid you not, he's like, you know, this big and just huge. And he saw me, and he starts yelling across the airport going, Dad! Dad! It's, and hugs me, and he's swinging me around. It's so good to see you, Dad. And everybody's looking. And, you know, um, Steve, I love Steve to death, one of my close friends. And um, he, when he does youth conventions, he'll, he'll bring a couple of boys up. And one, he'll send him out of the room. And the other, he'll say, now, I want you to get from here to here. And when he does that, he starts him on a path. As soon as the boy starts talking, he goes, wait, wait, wait. Don't you see that big, huge pit right in front of you? You know, so he leads him around the pit and takes him around. Then, okay, now go. And then he starts, whoa, 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 wait. Don't you see that low branch hanging across? You got to duck and get under that. And then he takes him back to the front. And then he brings the other guy in. He says, now get him over to the destination. And so that young man has to get, he says, now wait, right here, there's a pit. And I need to lead you around this pit. And right here, you got to duck because there's this branch that's right in your way. There will always be hindrances in the path to get to Jesus. There will always be things that the enemy puts in your path, in your way, to cause you to stumble. There will be things just in life that cause you to stumble on your path to Jesus Christ. And when we're trying to get to this place that Jesus was in this garden, there are going to be hindrances that cause that. One could be time. You ever said to yourself, I just don't have time to pray right now. 
There's a great book called Too Busy Not to Pray. Time, I just don't have the time. Or maybe it's just a commitment. You just aren't that committed to doing it, to making it a priority. Those hindrances can be anything that hold you back from getting to the garden. Anything. There's also, this is so funny, because of all days, this morning has been a morning of it. Distractions. Distractions. Um, I mean, I've had several distractions before I ever walked into worship service this morning. Um, Distractions. Distractions. Are you one who easily gets distracted? Um, Squirrel. No, I'm sorry. Uh, You know, there are those who get very easily distracted. Some of you aren't back with me yet. You're still looking for a squirrel. You know, some, they can stay right focused. They can do what they're going to do. Nothing really can, you know, lead them. But boy, distractions. Mike Trump power, I'm going to pick on you. (laughs) So I love that commercial where it's the guy teaching people how not to become their parents. You seen those? And he's teaching them where the silent mode is on their phone. And a lady says, oh, I don't have a silent mode. He goes, all, all phones have a silent mode, okay? So Mike and I went to pray with Gary Balliet and Tanya. And we've been in there. And, and Mike, I think Mike will admit, if there was a house that I've ever been to to go pray with somebody that's full of distractions, that was it. Um, to help Tanya, they, they keep a TV on and they keep it really loud. And that kind of help, helps her not focus on, you know, her own needs and things. It, it just is, is an assistance to her. I've been in situations like that before. There's several people in the house doing different things. It, it was distracting. And then we got ready to pray. Kid you not. Has anybody heard Mike's cell phone ring? So I said, let's pray. Dear Jesus. You know, he's got a rooster that crows for his phone. And so Mike's trying his best, you know, he's looking around trying to get his phone. And instead of, he answers it, but he doesn't know he's answered it. So there's this guy talking, you know, and we're all trying to, so, but Mike, you're not the worst. I've got a better one. By the way, Mike and I try to outdo each other with stories. So, uh, but I was at a service one time and there was a lady, she was in the praise band and she came up. And, and so she laid her cell phone down and laid her microphone down on the music stand right beside him. And as soon as, it was like this solemn, quiet time of service. And the pastor said, will you pray with me? And her phone went off. And her phone ring was the Tarzan yell. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> There's no coming back from that, you know? No coming back from that. You know, I used to have people that would tell me, uh, well, you know, I didn't come to church because um, I got to work. And, I, uh, and I've always said, I'd rather see you come to church and leave early and go to work than not come at all. And I always said, but just when you leave, you know, it's not like you got to get up with trumpets and tell everybody, going to work now. You know, I mean, it's just, just quietly go out. You know, I pastored one church that we had a door 
up here that went into a hallway for restrooms and Sunday school rooms and everything. Now, we still had doors in the back to do that. But when pretty much, I'm not going to even say half the church, when like three-fourths of the church needed to go to the restroom, they'd walk all the way up front and go right out that door. And I kid you not, there's times I'm preaching going, you know, it just, it, it was a distraction. Um, I used to have this little boy in my very first pastorate that, and I'm, I, I'm so thankful. I mean, it was the Sunday night worship service. And so this family, they still brought their kids. There wasn't anything for kids on Sunday night, but they would come in and they would sit and this little kid would play with these toys. And they, of course, front row. Distractors always sit in the front row, right? So he would sit in the front row and uh, there'll be people that, in that church watching this service. They'll know exactly what I'm talking about. One Sunday night, he thought I needed to play with him. So he's bringing his toys and he's setting them. I finally just quit. And I said, look, this sermon is done. And I sat down and I, cause you know, but I believe the enemy loves, loves, loves distractions. Anything that can keep you from focusing on the Lord the enemy loves it. And so I've always tried to encourage people. Let's do everything we can to just keep down. I told you this a few weeks ago. I, I like it when my worship team kind of, you know, moves things around for me because when I'm sitting there, it's a distraction for me. Like I'm always looking at those things. So if I'm like that, then I know there's probably other people that are like that. I don't want the platform to distract people from hearing the word or worshiping. We, we should do everything we can to try to avoid those distractions, because the enemy loves and uses everything he can to distract us. Did the Lord get distracted? Yeah, his disciples wouldn't even stay awake for him. You know, he's distracted by their lack of commitment, their lack of faithfulness that night. He had to get up and go tell them, why can't you guys stay awake? I think even what Luke said about here he was sweating to the point that it's drops of blood. And there is a medical condition that will cause this. The Lord is in that severe, had to be a distraction. Had to be. So we have to overcome those crowded thoughts of the mind. We've got to stay on that path because we know that on that path, there's going to be hindrances. There's going to be things that are placed in our way to cause us to stumble. And there's going to be distractions to cause us to lose focus on what we're doing. And the last one is this. If we can overcome the crowded thoughts of the mind, if we can stay on the path, then we can rejoice in the garden. That's where I want to be. That's the destination that I want to get to. It's the destination I want to see all of you. It's the destination that the Lord comes to in verse 42, where he says, Father, if this can pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That's crystal clear focus. That's not worried or concerned about anything else going on, but only what God wants to happen. That's the destination I want to arrive at. That's where I want you to be. Jesus is able to rejoice in the garden. Think about this. He's, he's already overcome the crowded thoughts of the mind. You know, he, he, he's gone through, he's thought about these events. He's 
brought to memory all these things that are going to happen. You know, I, I believe the Lord had an imagination. He was human. He, he certainly kind of thought about what if this happens? What if this takes place? He was probably thinking about his mother. He's thinking about his disciples. He's overcome all of that. And he could have quit at any time. He went up and got to the disciples and said, you know, you got to wake up. How inviting would that have been to have just said, I'm going to sit down with them and get some rest. I got a big day tomorrow. But he stayed the course. He did not quit. He stayed on the path. And because of that, he comes to this place where he can now be in the garden of joy. In that garden of joy. He is rejoicing in the garden. The garden of prayer is a great place that can be a garden of joy. Do you want to be there? Don't you want to be in that place where you can rejoice in the garden? I do. I do. I've had the privilege of being in that garden. About 11 years ago, 10 years ago, I think, the, um, I went with a group from Indiana Wesleyan, a uh, group of students and seminary, undergrad and seminary students, and we went to, to Israel. And we went into that garden, and, and what, when you read the Bible, you know, the, the guy that took me said, you'll never read the Bible the same way, and, and I haven't. You know, I always read the Bible, and you just picture like the movies, there's this garden, and they're all sitting around, and the disciples pick a tree, and they fall asleep at the tree. But actually, as you go up to the Mount of Olives, the, the garden is a little higher up, and it's to the right. And as you look to the left, there's a small cave. And we believe that this was a place that the Lord, and in our scripture it said, as, as he had often done, many times he went up to that garden. And so they would go to this cave. It was warm, it was dry, and this is where he and his disciples, his followers, would gather. And they would spend time there together. And so then when he had taken just a few of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he said, you know, come with me, that they went into and left the rest of the disciples down in that cave. And then they went on in and what's called the outer garden. And this is where he would have told them, you wait here. And there's these olive trees. You're not allowed. They've roped them off. You can't go in and touch because some of these olive trees may have very well been some of the olive trees that were there when Jesus was there. They're that old. And they're that rare. And, and so you can't even get close to them. But you, you're, you know, looking at them. And so that's the outer garden. And then on up into the garden is the inner garden. And then this is where we believe the Lord would have gone up on in here by himself. And oddly enough, there's only one big, huge, major rock in that area. It's impossible to know for sure, but that's where most believe this is the rock that our Lord came and laid himself upon while he had that prayer in the garden. Whether it is or not, man, I laid there and put my hands on it and I prayed too, you know. If it is, great. Nothing magical about it, but I want to be as close as I can, right? So we're there and, and uh, you know, you see it in just a new light. And, and then as you walk out of that garden, if you just turn and you look to your left, you see the entire city of Jerusalem. And it's one of the most breathtaking things you can see. You can see this valley, and then it goes back up to, to the city. So I was in the midst um, during that time of not really turmoil in a church, but 
something was being questioned in our church. And um, the, the elders asked me, we, let's, let's really see what this is, you know, study, let's study this and get it. And so as being a seminary student, I decided, hey, I've got a big project, dude. I'm, I'm going to make that my project. You know, I'm going to study, really learn this. And it, it was about anointing, using oil to anoint. And a couple weeks ago, we anointed our prayer cards and, and had that prayer. I shared a little bit about that with you then. Um, and so what, some of the things that we learned in, in looking at that study was this, that one, there's absolutely nothing powerful about anointing oil. Um, actually, it's, it's olive oil. There's nothing mystical about it. There's nothing supernatural about it. it it's just oil, you know. Uh, that, was, that was one thing we wanted to make sure everybody knew that it was just oil. But number two, the one thing we wanted everybody to realize is that throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament on, oil represented the presence of God. Uh, you know, when they were uh, anointing kings, that represented God's presence on them. When they anointed all the pieces of the tabernacle, that those were all things that God was saying, this is now sanctified, which means it is set apart for my use. It's not to be used for anything else. It's for my use. And every part of the tabernacle was anointed so that it would be set apart for God's use. And then, you know, we get into the New Testament and our Lord was anointed and, and anointing was used for burials. And then later we read, like in the book of James, we read this uh, a few weeks ago in James 5, where it says, if any sick among you, let the elders bring them before the church and lay their hands upon them, anoint them with oil. And then there's a responsibility that I think is greater than any of those things, greater than the person coming forward, greater than the elders laying their hands on them, greater than anointing them with oil. There's a responsibility on every believer's part that says, and praying a prayer of faith, believing, and the sick will be made well. And so we all, we, it was a beautiful time where we really learned about what it meant and there was one author that I just loved what he said. He said this. He said, the, the oil that we use represents the Holy Spirit. And I want to be anointed by the Holy Spirit as much as I possibly can. Um, so we anointed some prayer cards that day. And several of you made very positive comments about that and things. And uh, this week... Um, just some, there's, there's just things that happen. And I, I asked our elders yesterday, I said, I want to end our message a little bit different today. Um, I, I believe we need some anointing. As I speak with you, the conversations that many of you and I have break my heart to hear what you're going through, the battles that you're fighting. The, some for the wars that you're going through, the heartaches that you're going through, the physical conditions that some of you are suffering with. But what you wouldn't know is from where I stand, multiply that by 150. Because every one of you have some story like that. You have something, and most of you have shared them with me. There's one thing that maybe you are aware of, maybe you are not. It's a good news, bad news. The good news is this. God is preparing the Lexington Church of Christ 
for something amazing. That's the good news. And the reason I know that is because your elders and your leaders of this church have been attacked maybe more so than they ever have been in the last few weeks. We have angered the enemy. We have caused the devil to be so angry at what we're doing and what God wants to do in this church that he's doing everything he can to stop it. Best way to do that, attack the leaders. Attack the leaders. I've been on phone calls with some of your leaders, your elders, that would just break your heart to hear what they're going through. And you would never know. They walk into this place, they minister to you. And yet they need ministering too. And then you, there are many of you sitting in this room who are going through things that are just unspeakable. So I, I ask, and there may be some who would like to be anointed this morning. We need an anointing from the Holy Spirit today. You know, in, in the gospel message that we read for this passage of Scripture, it says, after the Lord had said, Father, your will, not mine, be done. And then it says, and an angel came and ministered to him. And you want to say, well, that's not fair. I want my angel. Where's my angel to come and minister to me? Well, the Lord promised that. I will send another. I will send another. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. And he's never left. When we're fighting that battle in prayer, guess who comes to minister to our needs? God himself in the form of his Holy Spirit. And I love that. This oil simply represents the Holy Spirit. And I need more of that. You need more of that. As I said, there's nothing magical about this oil. But I like this oil because this oil is from Jerusalem. It's actually made from the olives that are in that garden. I want to be as close to Jesus as I can. There's nothing supernatural about this. But you know what? If that's dirt that he walked on and that dirt filtered down and eventually fertilized those plants and made that all, I want that oil. That's just who I am. There may be some today who really, truly want to be anointed. So, Brian, I've asked Brian if he would come, and he's going to just play softly some music. And I'm just going to ask you, if there are those of you who feel like I would like to be anointed, maybe... Maybe you're in that war. Maybe you've been under attack. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a physical need. James told us to do this. Maybe you feel like, I, I think the Lord has been really pushing me and calling me to do something. And I've not been to get to that place in the garden yet. I've not been able to say, Lord, it's your will, not mine. I still want to do what I want to do. But the Lord's pushing me and pushing me and calling me and calling me. And maybe you need today to just say, yes, Lord, I am willing. It's your will, not mine. Now I need that ministering of the Holy Spirit. And as we use this as a symbol of that, you would today 
feel his strength and encouragement. So as Ryan plays, I'm just going to simply come forward. I would like for my elders to come. And they're going to join me. And, and today I would like to anoint each of our elders. They need it. They need this. And we're going to pray over them. But then there may be others of you who simply would like to come. So elders, would you come? And I want to anoint you this morning. Josh, I want you to come. My brother A, I place the shape of the cross on your head this morning in this oil. Father, I pray for this man of God. I love this man as if I've known him my entire life. He has become family to me in such a short, short time. I have so much confidence and faith in this man, and yet I know the enemy has attacked. And so I pray a prayer of protection for him and his family. I pray for breakthroughs in his family. I pray for his spirit, his health, his wife and his kids and his grandkids today and that Lord you would continue to use him in a mighty mighty way in Jesus name my partner in the ministry Josh I, I use the shape of a cross because every battle every victory ever won was at the cross the Lord this guy has an incredible call upon him but it's a difficult one it's tough I don't know that I've really met a young man that when he talks about the kids and youth that he ministers to, you just see his heart. Just from his words that he uses, you see the love that he has. So Lord, strengthen him, encourage him. He's been attacked. He, he's, he's gone through tough times. There's been a lot of hindrances and stumbling, but Lord, you've been faithful to see him through. Now pour your spirit on him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gerald, you may not know this, but when I came and interviewed, I was terrified. And you know some of the reasons. You were the one who really calmed me and gave me the assurance that I needed to speak openly and truthfully from my heart. That was you. I believe that's a gift that you have. So I want to anoint you this morning. And I thank you publicly for that. Lord Jesus, this is a fine man of God. And I've already grown to love him so much. And he leads us in so many beautiful, great ways. And I thank you for him. And I pray that this Holy Spirit just pours out upon him. And that, Lord, you would minister to his needs. That you would help him to be able to come to a place where he and his wife and children and family and friends would all be able to rejoice in the garden. Thank you for Gerald. I specifically say thank you for answering a prayer of mine, using him to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there a man that I know that already has the word yes in his mind before he's ever asked to do something? No. Then... You've known this from the very beginning of your life, being in the ministry, in the ministry home. So, Lord, I just pray for this man. He humbles me with his willingness 
I think there would be people who would wonder, so where did Ben move from to take this ministry here at this church? Because that's how much he does here and how willing he is. So Lord, I, I know the battles he's facing. There are decisions that he's battling with in his heart and his mind. So Lord, right now, as we've anointed him, I pray the Holy Spirit would come upon him in a way in which every detail of every plan that you have laid out for him would be crystal clear. Move all the hindrances, all the distractions, so that, Lord, he comes to a place to rejoice in this garden. I pray this. pray for his family, and I thank you for him and his willingness to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. The man of many words. Do you notice something this morning? A man that doesn't need to say much got up to do communicate, uh, communion and realized, I don't need to say anything. That was powerful. Well, I anoint you in the name of Jesus today, and I pray over you. It's been a tough year. Been a tough time for Will. He's had to go through some things that none of us would ever dream that anyone, we would want anyone to have to deal with. And yet, Lord, you've been with him through it all. You've been faithful. And today, Lord, I thank you for Will. So many of us have so many words, but this man has the heart. And he's got wisdom that is beyond measure. And Lord, as he leads us, protect him, guide him, bless him and his family in Jesus' name. Amen. And last week, we were at a leadership retreat and somebody described Paul. Is there an opposite of anxiousness? You know, that's kind of what the, the definition was. That he says, anytime I'm anxious, anytime I'm worried, I talk to Paul. Paul just calms things down. He's just got a demeanor about him. Doesn't he? And he's that, that's his ministry. It, it just is. He just sees things differently. But this man serves in ways, oh, some would say, I could never do that. And God's given him those gifts and abilities, and he's willing, and he just says, yes, I will do it. But I wish you could see the heart of this man like I know him already. Man, this guy, as tall as he is, he's, he's bigger in love. <laughs> he's bigger in love. Paul, I'm so thankful to work with you. Lord Jesus, as we anoint our brother Paul, thank you for creating the spirit of this man. The man who seems to, it, it seems as if he's thinking things through, but it's not really a mind thing. He's thinking it through his spirit. And then he always just has the right words to say. And he says them in such a loving, compassionate way that you just feel at ease and lose all anxiousness. But Lord, I know that's just the kind of person that the devil wants to attack and cause him to be worried and anxious about everything. And so Lord, I pray right now that Paul can claim that verse. I've casted my cares upon the Lord because he cares for me. Thank you for the willingness of his heart to serve you. Pray for his family, for his friends, for his work. Guide him, give him clarity of mind. And Lord, work miracle breakthroughs in his life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, as he's not here, we're gonna pray for Alan this morning. What a blessed man and 
He leads our elders. And Lord, what, what, he, he's got such a sensitive heart. The Lord, you just want to talk to him all the time because he's just one of those men that you just, from the moment you meet him, you know, he, he loves me. That guy cares about me. Right now, he's being attacked. He's been praying a prayer, Lord, that his mother and father might live long enough to see that 70th wedding anniversary that's coming up. And Lord, would that be a miracle, especially after the events we've heard through the night and today. So Lord, we do pray your will. And we pray for our brother, Alan. That Lord, you would just give him that heart of sensitivity to his family, to others that are there because then he can rest upon your heart and sensitivity and be blessed by you. And Lord, for Tom. Lord, Tom and Mary Beth have been dealing with quite a bit the last few weeks and even as late as Friday and yesterday. Lord, they need the anointing of God. Kind of like when Samuel anointed David and he said he he poured out the anointing that it ran down his head, over his face, down his beard. That's the kind of anointing they need. Lord, I pray for Tom right now. Tom's been a leader in this church for many, many years. I can't think of a man that's more highly respected in this congregation. There are a few in this church like that, and Tom's one of them. And so, Lord, we pray for Tom right now. Bless him, protect him, give him the strength that he needs be in these situations that are going on in his life and family. Work miracles, Lord. Restore, reconcile. And I pray, Lord, that you'll even bless Mary Beth and all the wives that are in this group represented. Lord, I just pray that you would just touch their families and bless them. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your love to us. Thank you for the love of the spirit that we can have for one another. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, men. Pray for your elders daily. Pray for your pastors daily. Pray. The devil knows where to attack. He knows exactly who to attack. Maybe there's others that just say, I'd just like to be anointed. Debbie, I'll come to you. She's been having lightheadedness almost to the point of fainting stay right there I can't wait till COVID's done and the whole church can gather around and you know maybe just point your hand toward Debbie today she needs a physical touch of the Lord James 5 any sick among you we are laying our hands upon you and now it's your job pray a prayer of faith believing I believe right Lord Jesus, we pray for Debbie right now. We pray that you will touch this. She's seen doctors. They're not sure what's going on. They have no clue right now. They're taking some tests and doing things. But Lord, you know every cell in her body. You know exactly what's going on. And so Lord, we pray for first and foremost, a miracle healing. You'll just take this completely away from her. And then Lord, I pray that you may see fit to use, as you did that blind man, you, you created that mud you put it on his eyes and then you gave him almost a prescription of instructions to say, go do this to receive your healing. Maybe it will be through the miracles of modern medicines. We don't know. But Lord, however you seem fit, medicine can only do so much. You bring healing. 
So we leave her in your hands today. We pray this prayer of faith, believing that she will be made well. Be with Jim as he cares for her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to thank uh, Ralph Brown that first Sunday that we anointed. Do you want Ralph? We're going to anoint Ralph. He, he said, I've got two miracle anointing stories, and he shared them with me. And he said, you keep that oil in that church. <laughs> I got you, brother. I sure will. I asked you, man, I love this guy. So Ralph's still been dealing with a respiratory issue. We're going to anoint him for that. But I think even heavier than that. Uh, Those of you know, Ralph lost two brothers this year to COVID. And that's been a huge burden of stress on him. So we're going to anoint him today. Ralph, in the name of Jesus Christ, we place the shape of the cross where every battle and victory was won. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, that, Lord, today you would touch this man. Boy, I love this guy. And he is very loved in this church and community. And, Lord, he's had his battles. And this year has been one of the toughest to lose men that are so close to him, family, and then to be dealing himself with this. So, Lord, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you touch first his body that, Lord, you would make him well, that people would know answers to give him, but, Lord, healing would come from you. Let him take the deepest breath he's probably taken in his entire life. And then, Lord, I pray for his emotions, for the burden that he has carried in his mind and heart and soul in the loss that he's had. And, Lord, I just pray that you would fill that void, that where he's lost, he's gained from you. And Lord, I pray this in all power and authority given in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you, brother. That's my daughter. So um, Michelle sent a message. This was one of the controversies that I dealt with. You can't anoint someone on behalf of someone else. I love it when people say Jesus can't because my God can't. So I said, so you're saying we can't use an advocate? No. Well, wasn't Jesus Christ our great advocate and took our sin to the cross? We're supposed to stand in for each other, aren't we? So Michelle texted Amber and said, get up there and have your dad anoint you for me. (laughs) I might need help. Lord, my wife is watching right now. The awesomeness about this is that you're there with her. You're in that room that she is in. And I'm grateful for the gift of technology that she can see and hear this prayer. And I'm grateful for an obedient daughter who's willing to stand in for her mother. And what an honor it is for me 
to anoint my daughter on behalf of my wife. So Lord, I pray for my wife right now. We really don't know for sure what this is. We think we know. Doesn't matter. It's causing a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow for her, a lot of discomfort. And Lord, we're just so leery if this gets any worse into her eye. So Lord, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, touch my wife, heal this, let it just be gone. Lord, I pray that you would just touch her even now, that she would be made completely well. I need her. We as this church need her. And so Lord, do this for us. And we pray believing in the name and authority and power of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sweet. And my daughter leaves for Seattle today. Kathy. <laughs> Kathy got very sick on us. I still am fighting. And you're still fighting it. I see a doctor at James on Tuesday. Okay. It's, this is an infection. It got to the point that she had to have a port put in that they could give her daily antibiotic through IV. And she's still fighting this. So uh, let's pray for our sister, Kathy. Kathy, we anoint you in the name of Jesus Christ today. We lay our hands upon you. We pray this prayer of faith, believing God has already been with you. He's already been healing you, but we need this to be finished. We need this to be over. So, Lord Jesus, I come today lifting up my sister in Christ. Boy, we love this lady. We need this lady. And I pray right now, Lord, that as you've been using medications, that they would continue to work. But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. These medications are of the world. They can only do so much. You're greater than that. So we ask for a complete, full healing. And that, Lord, this would even start now as we say this prayer and continue to just bring health and strength into Kathy's life. That, Lord, very, very quickly she can be 100% well. We thank you for hearing our prayer. We know you have. We know your presence is here. And you're not going to leave us. So, Lord, as we have anointed her being obedient to your word, we ask this in Jesus' name and him only. Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm glad I didn't preach about a donkey. Amen. Worship team, would you come up? Ryan, thank you. Thank you. Uh, come on up. We're going to sing this closing song together. Get your palm branches. Let's celebrate. Celebrate. You see, on that day, they celebrated a king coming into a city. We've celebrated a risen king that's coming back. So let's celebrate that today. Wave your palm branches as we sing. The Lord's here, and I don't want to pray because I, I think that concludes things. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to sing. Let's sing. That'll be our exit today.